we have uh, we have had a great relationship with our dear friend Dobie Weasel for the last 19 years, and uh, share with the first service kind of how this all connected. I won't uh, belabor the details all good, as good as they are because I want you to get into the word today. And so um, I'd like you to stand and give a grace welcome to our dear friend Pastor Dobie Weasel, Omaha, Nebraska, President of Life Tribe. Love you, brother. All right. <laughs> you love your pastors? Awesome people. Awesome people. God bless you. You can be seated. Uh, what had happened was we went to knock on a door, and, uh, and, and Ben, I don't know if you've ever seen Ben with his equipment. Like, his equipment weighs about as much as he does. And, uh, and, and, and so he had this huge camera and this, and this tripod, and he's following me. And, and I've, got, I've got Caleb with me. And Caleb, Caleb's actually Mississippi Choctaw from, uh, uh, from Mississippi. And so he came to join me just for this so that we could, we could get some footage for the ministry and, uh, and put it on our website and all that stuff. And, uh, and, and, and so, so I, I've got Caleb, and he's got his camera. And, and his camera is, you know, a smaller camera. Ben's got, Ben's got his camera and his, his, his tripod. And, and it looks like I've got a camera crew with me, right? And so I go to knock on this guy's door, and we're waiting. And we're, he opens the door, and he sees the camera people and freaks. And he says, shut those cameras off. Shut those cameras off right now. And it's like. And they're not even, I mean, they're like out by the, out by the street. And so, uh, so he says, I'm calling the cops. You're not supposed to have a camera. And so anyway, anyway, it's like, dude. Chill out. <laughs> we had too much Starbucks this morning, man. And, and, and so I just said, hey, hey, peace, we're good. We, we, so we walked away. We went to another house. As we went to another house, we saw one of our flyers in, in, the, in, in the door. And so we thought, we've already been here. So we just, we figured we'd walk across the street. We'd kind of chill out. Because, I mean, you know, that, that just was one of those encounters where you, you just, you, you just want to kind of, leave and hide out a little bit and so we went and, and and there was a when we drove into the place there was a gazebo so we thought we'd just go hang out at the gazebo wait for Mark and Janie to come back and so we got to the gazebo there's no place to sit so there was a river right behind the gazebo so we thought let's hang out by the river and so and and, and then we then, then we got a call that the police were over there and we thought well praise God we're down by the river and uh and so I felt like Jesse James and the you know the James Jesse James and, and we were down by the river and, and, you know, two Indians and a white dude, man, and uh, just kind of hanging out uh, and running from the cops. And I told, I told Pastor Mark, I said, I haven't run from the cops in 40 years. Hallelujah. <laughs> and uh, so, so it's kind of good to, you know, revive those old skills every now and then and just, you know, but... Uh, <laughs> My name's Dobie Weasel, for those of you that don't know. Uh, I've been here a couple of times, met Mark and Janie, like you said, 19 years ago. I was pastoring, pastoring a church in Omaha, and uh, they were in between churches, and, 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 and we're there just a couple of short weeks uh, or months, maybe, and, uh, and so, so they were there, we got connected, and I was at one time your pastor's pastor. Yeah, yeah. I just it just dawned on me. I was, and and so uh, so we became friends. Went out to preach for them in Iowa. Came here a couple of times, and uh, and, and so so we planted a church. Uh, my my son and I planted a church about uh, about nine years ago, which we just turned over over to them recently, and we stepped back into uh, native ministry. Now I'm a son of Boyne. 
Uh, some people don't, don't know what an Assiniboine is, and so I tell them, I'm, I'm, uh, the, the, the term literally means mountain Sioux. Uh, my wife is Sioux. Uh, you would know, you would know her, her, her people are uh, like, like Red Cloud, Sitting Bull, Crazy Horse. That's her people. And uh, so she's from South Dakota, and, and, and the Sioux people don't call themselves Sioux. They call themselves Lakota. And so, so she's Lakota. I'm a branch off the Sioux. I'm Mountain Sioux. I'm Nakota. I'm from Montana. She's from South Dakota. There are, and so just a, just a different dialect and, uh, in our speech. And so, and so, uh, so, so, so grew up on a, a little, little uh, born on a little reservation in north central Montana. Told the earlier service that, uh, that mom was an alcoholic. Uh, she, uh, she had nine children, gave away, gave away most of them to relatives. And so gave me to an aunt who took me off the res, took me to the, to, to the city. And my earliest memories are memories of smoke-filled bar rooms. And we lived in, this, in the hotel rooms above the bars on Skid Row. And so, uh, so, so, so I started drinking. First time I ever got drunk, I was five years old. I mean, wasted drunk. I was five years old. And uh, started drinking fairly regularly when I was nine or 10. Started smoking dope when I was 12. Quit school in the seventh grade. And by the time I was 15, I was well on my way to being a hopeless alcoholic. So I got a kilo of weed and I went back to the res to sell weed because I could make twice the profit on the res as I did in the city. And so, uh, so I went back to the res, smoked up my profit, and I was uh, sick, busted, and disgusted. And so I was just kind of hanging out with the guys on the res and didn't really know what to do and, and, and didn't, have any, didn't have any direction for my life. And somebody came into my life and here's what they said. They said, Dobie, I'm just a nobody out telling everybody about a somebody that can save anybody and you need Jesus. And I hadn't even considered it, had never considered it. But I was the tail end of a major re revival that hit my reservation. And all of my friends were either dying in car wrecks or getting saved. So I found myself out driving around with my friends, my buddies one day. We're smoking dope and drinking booze. And I started thinking to myself, what if I get in a car wreck today and I die? Where am I going to go? It was like a broken record going over and over in my mind. I just couldn't get it off my mind. We parked out of town. And long story short, I got out of the car, knelt down behind the car. And I said, Jesus, if you're real, change my life. Jesus reached down and he touched me that day and he killed me. And in the same moment he killed me, he raised me from the dead. And I got up because if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things pass away and behold, all things become new. I got up and Dobie Weasel died that day and, and he's buried on a, on a side of a road in the Montana hills. And I got up and there was a different Dobie Weasel and the sky was bluer and the grass was greener. And, and I started going to a little tiny, a little tiny church, a storefront church in Harlem, Montana. And, uh, and, and back in those days, we had prayer meetings. How many of you remember prayer meetings? Okay, okay, like four of you guys. And so... And so, no, 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 prayer meetings. And, and when we had prayer meetings, I mean, man, we had prayer meetings. They were small groups, but we got together and we prayed and we read the Bible and we worshiped. And, and, and my, my pastor, what he used to do is he used to take a chair and put it out in the middle of the, uh, of the living room at the, at the end of the worship time and the, and, and the Bible study time. And he'd say, if anybody needs prayer, I want you to come and sit down in the hot seat and we're going to pray for you. And man, if you came, if you need a prayer, you, got, you, you sat in the hot seat and they laid hands on you and they prayed over you. And we had some crazy, we had some crazy older women in the church. You know what I'm talking about? The kind that just, you, you, you squeeze and, and it's like, you know, squeezing a, a warm donut. 
get the fire of God in them. And, and, so, and so they'd get around you, man, and they would pray. And they're not just praying, oh, Jesus, touch this little boy and minister. No, man, they're, oh, God, minister to touch him. They'd spit all over you, anoint you with oil. Then, and, and, and everybody, and, and, and man, when you were done, it was like you were walking away like this. And, and so the so, so pastor put three chairs out. He said, we have some people going to Bible college. We're going to pray for our Bible college students. And I thought to myself, wow, Bible college? Man, I never knew that such an animal existed, Joe. Bible college. Pastor came up to me after he said, don't you ever thought about going to Bible college? I thought, I said, Pastor, I don't have a GED. I don't have my high school education. I'll never go to any college, let alone a Bible college. He said, well, why don't we give you some applications and you can pray about it? How many of you know that's dangerous? And so he gave me all these, all these brochures from, uh, from, from all the Bible colleges around the nation, all the Assembly of God Bible College around the nation. And there was Southeastern, and there was Northeastern, and there was, there was uh, uh, North Central and Waxahachie. And, and there was this little tiny Bible college in, uh, in, in, in uh, Phoenix, Arizona called American Indian Bible Institute. And on the front, it had palm trees and Indian girls. And I thought, Hallelujah. That's the place for me. Right? So I got, and I did, man. The next day, I got all the brochures, put them out on the bed, and I prayed over them. As I prayed over them, there was this brochure from Trinity Bible Institute in Ellendale, North Dakota. And I thought, God, and it was like a neon sign going off. And I thought, God, I don't want to go to North Dakota. Who wants, who wants to go to North Dakota? No. But it was like a neon sign, and so I, I, I brought it to my pastor. I said, I think here's where God wants me to go. And so, so anyway, I went, and that was, that was 39 years ago. I got there. I was still smoking Marlboros. My hair was halfway down my back. They put me in the dorm between semesters. I woke up the next morning to light up that morning Marlboro, and the Spirit of God said, son, when are you going to quit that? I said, God, I'll give it to you if you'll take it. And so I went and crushed my smokes, flushed them down the commode. I didn't need a patch. I didn't need Nicorette gum. I didn't need anything like that. Jesus set me free. Boom, right there. My life's just taken off like a rocket. Anyway, anyway, we've been we, we've been ministering the gospel for years and years, and and uh, and I was pastoring in a in a place called uh, I was in in Gallup, New Mexico, pastoring a church, and the Spirit of God began to stir my heart for evangelism. And being a native man, and the Bible says that God has created us in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God foreordained that we should walk in them. Which basically means that when God created us, He created us with purpose. He created us with design. He created us with foreknowledge and he knew what he wanted us to do even while he was creating us so that when we came we would have something to do just like when Adam showed up on the scene God God didn't that didn't surprise God 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 created Adam with a with a purpose because because before God created Adam God had created the stars in the in the moon and the sky and the in the, in the earth and the vegetation and the animals and, and 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 so as he created everything he had this garden that he needed somebody to garden and the and the animals couldn't garden the garden like God wanted the garden to be gardened. So, so God said, I need somebody to garden the garden. And so what did God do? God created the gardener to garden the garden. And so when Adam showed up, Adam, Adam, I've got something for you to do. You see, God created Adam with purpose and with design because there was something that God had for Adam to do before Adam showed up. And just like God had something for Adam to do, God has something for you to do. 
The reason you are the way that you are and design the way that you... See, some of you are struggling with the design that God designed you with. We got white people wanting to be black people. We got black people wanting to be Hispanic. We got these people wanting to be that people. That be, Listen, man, God made you who you are with a purpose. You're a man because God had a purpose for you to be a man. You're a woman because God had a purpose for you to be a woman. You're a white woman. You're a black man because God had a purpose for you in that realm. God created you exactly the way he wanted you. And so he created you to do something that nobody else could do like you did, like you do when you do it, because there's nobody else that's created to do it just like you do it. And so I contemplated that one day and I said, God, why'd you create me, Native American man? And why is my last name Weasel? <laughs> I mean, I want, I'd rather be Eddie Skinner. That's a cool name. Why'd you create me weasel? See, see, God created me the way he created me because there are two and a half, uh, there, are, there are, excuse me, rather 5.2 million native people in North America and of the 5.2 million native people in North America, less than 3% of those know Jesus. And so I contemplated that and I said, God, where can you use me? He said, I can use you there. And so we resigned that church and we began to minister to native people. We did that for 10 years. And the U.S. Center for World Missions back then told me that, that, that less than 3% were born again. And I traveled hard and I traveled for 45 weeks out of the year. And I preached every camp meeting and every youth camp and every church revival. And I tried to reach native people as, 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 as best as I could reach them. And at the end of 10 years, I went back to the U.S. Center for World Missions and I said, how many native people are born again now? And they said, stats haven't changed, weasel. And so we pastored this church now for nearly 20 years in Omaha, Nebraska. And now God is stirring my heart. I'm having dreams, supernatural dreams of, of native kids standing on my porch, ringing the doorbell. And I open the door and they look at me and they say, we don't have any place to go. Can we stay here? And God is stirring my heart with supernatural dreams. And so, 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 we, so we resigned the church and we turned over to our son. And, and yet I go, I, I go to God and I say, God, God, if, if I'm going to take this final, this final season of my life, because I'm 57 years old, God, you know that. And Lord, I'm not ready to step off, but I can see the stepping off place from here. If I'm going to take the next 20 or 30 years of my life and I'm going to give it to this mission, then God, I want to know that at the end of this thing, things have changed. Because I'm a weasel, Lord, but I'm not a dumb weasel. And I know that if I continue to do what I've always done, I'll always get what I've always had. And if I'm going to get what I've never had, I've got to be willing to do what I've never done. So God, show me what I've never done because I want to get what I've never had. And, 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 and so God began to give me vision and strategy to reach native people, not just through the church, because I've always tried to reach them through the church. But now God's given me vision to reach them through, through other avenues. And we have a little video I want to show you. Then we're going to come back and we're getting to the word. And I promise I'm not going to keep you all day. Is that okay? Okay. So I got a little video. Then we're going to come. We're going to get into the word. If you have your Bibles, get ready. Get them out. We're going to look at them in just a moment. Video, please.
Today, there are more than 4 million Native American people spread throughout North America. Being Native myself and having traveled throughout the continent for more than a decade, I've seen the devastation of these people, my people. Suicide, homicide, alcoholism, physical and sexual abuse aren't just things I grew up with. They're things that are still rampant in Native society today. At the root of this tragedy facing these four million souls is that less than 5% of them know Jesus in a personal way. This is why God has called us to launch Life Tribe with a clear and compelling goal to reach every Native home in North America with the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ. As a church, we've reached out for many years and we've seen very little impact for our efforts. The conventional means of reaching Native people just won't do. Therefore, Life Tribe is seeking to reach Native people through unconventional means, such as the use of arts and entertainment, business, education, government, and media. We call them the Seven Mountains of Influence. Life Tribe aims to create redemptive Native films to touch the hearts of Native and non-Native people alike. Work has already begun on children's books to empower young Native children to dream and aspire to great things. And Life Tribe is even working alongside Focus on the Family to create parenting curriculum that will revive Native families. Outside of the personal lives of Natives, Life Tribe seeks to raise up Native entrepreneurs, both on and off the reservations, and equip Native American tribal leaders with leadership skills. Finally, we want to build websites and mobile apps that will connect us directly with Native people through their cell phones. Will you help us? Life Tribe needs to raise $100,000. Any amount you can give will help. Life Tribe is a brand new ministry and you have the opportunity to get involved at the ground level. Will you help us make a difference in every Native home in North America for Jesus' sake? Thank you for your generosity. Well, amen, amen. So we're gonna reach every Native home. And, uh, Today there and, are and more than four amazing. million Native American people other, spread throughout day, North America. Really Being native myself, Cherokee, and having and so we went and we knocked on the the, the doors and 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 shared the gospel with the people in Cherokee, and uh, and so so my vision for 2018 is we want to reach every life tribe wants to reach every native home in Nebraska, and so we've done what we did yesterday. We we we've done that on one reservation. We have five in in Nebraska. And so we're going to try to reach the other four before the end of the year. And the next year, we're going up to South Dakota. And some of the pictures you saw were from a, from a reservation called Pine Ridge, which is up in South Dakota. The poorest, it's one, in one of the poorest counties of the U.S. And so what we want to do is we want to love the nearly 70,000 Native people in South Dakota next year. And so we're trying to build a nation of people to help us reach Native North America. And so I'm, I'm asking you to pray about perhaps coming and joining us next summer and coming to Pine Ridge or Rosebud or Standing Rock or one of these places and let's reach out and let's make a difference and let's stop flying over mission fields to get to mission fields. Amen? Amen. So again, here I am and it's just... Great to be with you. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me, and we're going to get into the Word, and I promise I won't preach the everlasting gospel. <laughs> Second Kings chapter 13, if you don't have your Bibles, it'll be on the screen. It says, when Elisha was in his last illness, Second Kings chapter 13, beginning in verse 14, 
It says, when Elisha was in his last illness, somebody say Elisha. Elisha. Who was Elisha? For those of you that may not know who Elisha was, Elisha was one of the great prophets of the Old Testament. He was a man who was used mightily by God in the miraculous realm. He was the protege of another prophet by the name of Elijah. Now, do not confuse Elijah with Elisha, but Elijah was the older prophet. He was the one who called fire down from heaven. He was the one who came out of God's presence in God's name with God's word, and he took the key of faith, and he shut up the windows of heaven, and for three and a half years, it did not space. It did not rain upon uh, uh, upon the earth, but the heavens were shut up, and, and and, and, and the cattle began to die and, and the crops began to fail. And, and, and so the king came to him and, 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 and there by the power and the faith of God, he again came out of God's presence in God's name with God's word, by God's power, opened up the windows of heaven and it rained upon the earth again. Such was the anointing upon this prophet. And this man, Elisha, served him. He followed him. He carried his bags. And when it came time for the old prophet to leave, the young prophet looked at him and he said, I want twice the anointing that you have. The old prophet had asked him, what would you like? He said, I want twice what you have. And so the old prophet said, if you see me when I go, you can have what you want. But be careful because you've asked a hard thing. And I've always contemplated why the old prophet said he asked a hard thing. Because I know God. And I know that it's not hard for him to do anything. One prophet said, is there anything too hard for our God? And he answered himself and he said, no, 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 nothing. Nothing's too difficult for God. If he created the heavens and the earth, if he spoke in lights, came forth. It's nothing for God to give this man twice as much as he's given this man. So then why do you think the old prophet said to the young man, what you've asked is a hard thing? You know what I think? I'll just have a conversation with you. What I think is this. The old prophet knew the weight that the ministry carried. He knew how difficult it was. I have a friend of mine by the name of David Ravenhill who wrote a book called Surviving the Anointing. You see, when you operate under the anointing of God, it's a heavy thing. And this man knew what it was like to operate under the anointing of God. And so he said, you've asked a hard thing. You don't know what you're asking for, boy. But when you, if you see me, you can have what you ask and so you know the story he was taken up into heaven by in a fiery chariot and and and, and the and, and the, the 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 young man looked and he said my my, my father my father the, the the chariots of israel and the horsemen thereof and he watched him as he disappeared and there the mantle fell and he took the man's mantle and he smote the jordan river and the river and he went across on dry ground and everybody knew that the anointing that was upon Elijah was now upon Elisha. 
And this man, this man under the anointing of God in his ministry, I want to say it was 13 miracles are recorded under his ministry. And this man, when he died, 25 miracles. So it was nearly exactly twice as much as what he had been given. But God said he'd have twice. And when he died, they buried him in a tomb. They buried him in a cave. And, 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 and so uh, on that same ground later on, there was a, a battle that took place and a young man was killed and they didn't know what to do with his body. So they brought him and they threw him in the cave. And when the dead man's body hit the old man, preacher's bones, there was so much power in the old preacher's bones that the dead body came to life and God gave him the 26th miracle and gave him exactly what God said he would give him and listen to me God may give you a promise and you may not see it even you might die but God is still going to be faithful to his promise and he's still going to do what he said he's going to do even if you're not around to see it yeah come on somebody I need to get a witness in this house God is a faithful God he's going to be faithful to you He's going to bless you. He's going to do what he said he's going to do. And so that's Elisha. We haven't even got into our text. Says when Elisha was in his last day, they told you, they told you I was crazy. They warned you. Turn to your neighbor, tell him, watch out. Got a crazy ending on the loose. When Elisha was, (laughs) was in his last illness, King Joash, some say King Joash. King Joash visited him and wept over him. And he cried, my father, my father, you are the strength of Israel. And Elisha told him, get a bow and some arrows. Elisha was an Indian. (laughs) Come on, bro. Elisha, (laughs) get a bow. I mean, it sounds like an Indian right there. Guy comes in crying, my father, my father, he's weeping. He's, 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 he's. He's brokenhearted. The old prophet is, 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 is about ready to die and move off the scene. So, so the king walks in and his, his hands are hanging down and his knees are weak and feeble. And his, and his shoulders are drooped. And, and he says, my father, my father, the very thing that he had said of Elijah. He says, my father, my father, you're the strength of Israel. The old, the old, old prophet says, get a bow. I told you, he's an Indian. He said, oh, open the eastern window. Then he told the king to put his hand upon the bow, and Elisha laid his own hands upon the king's hands. Shoot, Elisha commanded, and he did. Then Elisha proclaimed, this is the Lord's arrow full of victory over Syria, for you will completely conquer the Syrians. Now pick up the other arrows and strike them against the floor. I want you to see this. You will completely, someone say you will completely. Turn to your neighbor and tell him you're going to completely You will completely conquer this. This morning, I want to to submit to somebody in this place that God wants for you not partial victory, but complete victory. Some of you have seen a measure of God's blessing, but you haven't seen the fullness of God's blessing. 
See, some of you are settling for partial victory. You're settling for incomplete anointing. You're settling for less than God's best. We become good at settling for less than God's best. But today, God doesn't want you to walk out of here. He doesn't want you to live beneath your birthright. He does not want you to live beneath complete victory. But God is going to give you the recipe for complete victory. And so Elisha spoke to him. He said, he said, you will completely conquer the Syrians at Aphek. Now pick up the other arrows and strike them against the floor. So the king picked them up, struck the floor three times, but the prophet was angry. And he said, you should have struck the floor five or six times. For then you would have beaten Syria until, the, until they were entirely destroyed. Now you will be victorious only three times. Let me propose to you again this morning. As I read this story, here's what I see. I, I see the king determining the measure of his victory. The prophet said, you idiot. You should have struck the floor five, six times. You only struck it three times. You're only going to have three victories, he said. And, and, and basically, in essence, he was saying, because you had three, because you struck it three times, you're going to have three victories, and you determine, you measure out the extent of your victory. Now you'll be victorious only three times, and King Joash of Israel, verse 25, was successful on three occasions in reconquering the cities that his father had lost. Father, we thank you for your word today. Speak to our hearts. Give us news we can use. We ask in Jesus' name. And all God's people said amen. 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 So, this morning, obviously, the main thought is that God wants complete victory for you and I. But we live with partial victory. And what God wants to do today is God wants to move you from a place of, of, of enjoying partial victory and limited victory, partial anointed, limited anointed, partial anointing, limited anointing to where God can give you the fullness of what God wants to give you. And the old prophet gives him the recipe for complete victory. And here it is. I'm going to give it to you, then I'm going to give it to you again, then I'm going to give it to you after I gave it to you. Is that okay? I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you, then I'm going to tell you, then I'm going to tell you what I told you. And so here it is. Number one, you got to grab a bow. Some say grab a bow. Come on, everybody in this place, grab a bow. Number two, open a window. Number three, declare war. Say it with me. Grab a bow. Open a window. Declare war. Where do you see grab a bow? Well, I see... In what, what verse is it here? We take a look and the Bible says in, where are we at, where are we at, where are we at? Take a bow and some arrows, verse 15. Now, obviously I brought my bow because every good Indian needs a bow. And, and so he says, he sees this bow that's, that's over, in the, over in the corner and it's collecting dust. 
Lord knows the last time this thing has been fired. And the old prophet looks over and he says, grab a bow. And so he grabs a bow. Now as he, as he tells him to grab a bow, understand, he's, this, is, this, is the, this is the weapon of choice. He could have told him to grab a sword. He could have told him to grab a spear. Grabbing a spear and grabbing a sword would be, would be saying that, that, that those, those weapons were used for closer range. And what God says is, God says, I have a, I have a further, further assignment for you. My assignment for you is longer and it's further. And I want to do something more than has ever been done before. So grab a bow. Today, if we were to tell somebody to grab a bow, we wouldn't say grab a bow. We'd say grab an AK-47. <laughs> grab an AR-17. An AR grab, 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 grab a gun. And so he grabbed the bow. And as he grabbed the bow, he said... I want you to take it. Uh, Marcus, would you come help me again? He helped me for a service. I'm going to show you something because I look at this and I think to myself, this is the strangest thing ever because the, the king grabs the bow and he says, I want you, have you ever shot a bow before? How long has it been? You can't remember. Okay, good because you're going to aim at this guy. But if you hit the other guy, that's okay too. Yeah, just, just, just aim between them, you'll hit one of them, okay? And so, uh, so oh, no, we're not doing that, guys, really, we're not. These guys, are, these guys are getting nervous right now, I can tell. And so, and, and, and so, so he, he, he knocks the arrow up. Go ahead, help me, there, there you go. So he knocks the arrow up, and he gets ready to shoot, but before he shoots, here's the thing that he does. The old, bro, bro, no, no, yeah, <laughs> I'm the brother's nervous as it is. Don't put your hand on the string. Uh, and, 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 so, and, and, so, and so he comes. And you know, I'm just teasing him. But keep it down here. And so he comes, and what does he do? He takes his hand, and he puts his hand over the king's hands. Now, there are some... There are some bow hunters in this place. There are some archers in this place. And those of you that are bow hunters, those of you that have shot an arrow before, you know it's difficult enough to try to shoot an arrow just yourself. But there's no way. Now, I'm, 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 I'm hoping it was this way. Now, it could have been this way. <laughs> That's really awkward, isn't it? I don't think it was this way. I think it was this way. And so, I, I, I'm sorry. And so he put his hand over the king's hands. Now, now I, I'm, I'm looking at the scripture and I'm saying, God, that's weird. Come on, somebody say, that's weird. That's strange. And so, and so, and so he puts his hand over, and, and so I'm saying, God, everything you do, there's a reason why you do it. You're trying to point something out to us here. So, Lord, show me what you're, show me what you're saying. And here's what, here's what God is saying. God is saying that we in ourselves are weak. The king symbolizes us. The prophet symbolizes God. 
And when the prophet came and he laid his hands upon the king's hands, he was overshadowing the king's hands with his hand, with, with God's hands. And so it's not by might and it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. And then the scripture started to come. You see, we are in a spiritual battle. We, we, the weapons of our war, warfare, they're not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the tearing down of strongholds. And if I read that right, it says it, it, they're mighty through God to the tearing down of strongholds, to the tearing down of strongholds, to the tearing down of strongholds. And I think to myself, there are some strongholds. There are some strongholds. There are some strongholds. There are some principalities and powers and rulers and darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness and high places. There are some strongholds of alcoholism and strongholds of drug addiction and strongholds of religion and strongholds of sexual addiction and strongholds of bitterness and anger and unforgiveness. And there's all kinds of strongholds, but I read that and it says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not fleshly, but they are powerful through God to the pulling down of, and, and that says to me, there ain't no one of those strongholds can't be pulled down by the power of God. Every one of those can be pulled down by the power of God. It is powerful to the pulling down. And so I, I, I want to say, I want to say, God, God, I want to pull down strongholds. But i got to be strong to do it. And God says, I can't relate with you if you're strong enough. Because it's in your weakness that I'm made strong. It's not in your work, but it's in your worship. It's not in who you are. It's whose you are. It's not in your strength, but it's in your trust. And if you'll just trust me, I will come. I'll come into that marriage. I'll come to those children. I will come into that church. I will come into that business. I will come into that school. I will come in and I will do what you cannot do. See, your, your strength is not your asset. Your strength is your liability. It's your weakness that's your asset. And I'm not looking for you to get strong enough or wise enough or powerful enough or anointed enough or prayerful enough or know the word of God. I'm, 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 I'm looking to you to trust me. And if you'll just look to me, I'll come in and I'll put my hands over your hands and you will be powerful because greater is he that is in you than he that is grab a bow grab a bow grab a bow grab a bow and open a window grab a bow and open a window. Give this guy a hand. <laughs> Grab a bow and open a window. Now, 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 to me, it's like, open a window. What do you mean open a window? And he, just does, he doesn't just say open a window. He says, dude, what's your name? Huh? Andrew. Dude, I just keep zoning in on you. It is. It's like nobody else is here but me and you. Grab a bow. Open a window. Now, Andrew, here's my question. He says, open a window. Now, he doesn't, now we know he says open a window because he's going to have the dude shoot here in just a sec. 
right? We know that. And you can't shoot arrows of victory through closed windows. But he doesn't just say, open any window. He says, open the eastern window. Now, Andrew, you probably know this. But for those of you that are observing our conversation, you may not know that he says open the eastern window because geographically speaking, Israel's in the center. To the north is Babylon. They battled with Babylon over the years and Nebuchadnezzar had taken them in captivity and, and it's a northern kingdom. To the west is the Mediterranean Sea. To the south is Egypt, but to the east is a place called Syria with a king by the name of Ben-Hadad who had been toying with Israel and slapping them back and forth like a cat slaps a mouse and had reduced their army to 50 horsemen and a mere 10 chariots. It was a place of his frustration it was a place of his fear, it was the place of his, the place of his weakness. He didn't want to consider it. He didn't want to think about Ben Hadad. He wanted to run as far away from that problem as he possibly could. Don't talk to me about Ben Hadad, he says. I don't want to hear about Ben Hadad. I don't want to consider Syria. It had just been a burr. It had been, it had been a source of frustration. And yet the man of God comes and the man of God says, open that window. God, I don't want to open that window. That window represents my, my failed marriage. That represents my children that are, that are lost and they're, they're, out, they're out drugging. That represents, that represents the failures in my life. It represents that business that I started and I thought it was going to go all the way and yet it failed. It represents... It represents my failures. It represents my mistakes. It represents my pain. It represents my problems. It represents all the stuff I don't want to see and I don't want to admit. But God says, if you're going to have victory, you got to open the shades. You got to open the shutters. You got to face your mistakes and expose the place of your fear. We don't like to do that in church. No, man, church is a place where we paint ourselves up and we put on the mask and we look really good. Change our shirt, put on cologne. Brother, you're looking wonderful today. Why, thank you. I'm not a good pretender, man. I'm not. But when I was a young preacher, we were pastoring this church in a place called Gallup, New Mexico, and we were doing two services, and the church had exploded. We had gone from like 80 people to like 300 people. We were doing two services. We were like one of the largest churches in the district, although I was a like 26-year-old guy. God was just, and I thought, but 
was a poor community and we only had one car. So I'd come and I'd preach Sunday morning. We'd have Sunday school in between. I'd drive home, pick up my wife and children. We had two children. Our oldest son was like three and our youngest son was like one. And so I'd pick up the kids and wife. I'd bring them to church and then I'd come back and I'd preach the second service. Well, I'd preach the first service and man, Andrew, the glory fell. The power came. People got saved. I was walking on, on, on cloud nine, got in my car, drove home. As I drove home, walked into, the, walked into the house, and there was spilled milk all over the table. My son John ran past me half naked. My wife walked out of the bathroom, and she is still, you know, doing her. I, I, I said, I said how, come, how come you're not ready? What you been doing all morning, woman? I told you I was 26. I was not 57. I've learned a few things in 30 years. Number one, I do not call her woman. But that's where it started. So I walked in, woman, what's going on here? Because I'm the anointed man of God. They were just shaking my hand and tapped me on the back and saying, what a wonderful message, Pastor. And I walked out saying, hallelujah. <laughs> Got home and Jacob can't find his shoes and Johnny's half dressed. And I said, I, I said, how come we don't have the kids dressed? She said, well, 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 John was dressed and he spilled milk all over and, 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 and Jacob can't find his shoes. And I said, well, woman, why didn't you get this stuff together last night? Oh. Now understand my wife is Sue. And, and sometimes the spirit of crazy horse comes on her. <laughs> and we're having this conversation that they can hear three blocks down the road. Well, the man of God and his wife and his children finally got everything. We got it. And we're still having this thing on the way to church. And I'm saying, well, you should have had them ready. Well, you know what? It takes two to make them. It takes two to take care of them. And we're having this conversation. We drive in the parking lot. And as we drive in the parking lot, she's just had it about up to here. Like I said, she's a Sioux. So we drive in the parking lot. There's a parking space that says Pastor Dobie. It's my anointed spot. I drive into my parking spot. I put it in park. And I look to, to tell her one last thing. And all of a sudden, man, the anointing of God comes upon her. And she wham! And I'm surprised that her hand didn't shrivel up right there. She lays one across my face and she gets out of the car and slams the door and walks into the church and leaves me with her two kids in the back. <laughs> and if you've ever seen Dances with Wolves and how they paint their ponies and they paint their face, I look like a Sioux warrior walking in with a red... I took her kids, <laughs> gathered them in my arms. Oh, man. 
And we had a little sister by the name of Lola Woods who stood about five foot two, 70 pounds, so full of the Holy Ghost and so full of the love of God. She was our, one of our main greeters. And so I walked in that day and she looked at me. She said, Pastor Doby. And, and understand, I've got, I've, got, I've got one kid. I'm holding his hand. One, I'm, I'm a, and I've got this. And she walks in, I walk in the church and, and they open the doors. I come in and she looked, Pastor Doby, how are you? And I want to say, Sister Woods, you don't know. The demon that just walked through this door a little while ago. You don't know the woman who's full of the spirit of crazy horse right now. Did you see her? Did you cast the devil out of her? I didn't say that. Because I'm the pastor. She said, pastor Dolby, how are you? I looked at her. They go up my hand, grabbed her hand. Wonderful sister. I'm never, you know, we don't want to open the windows, man. I don't want to pull the curtains back from my life. I don't want you to see what's really going on. You see, but you can't shoot the, the arrows of victory through closed windows and closed shutters. You can't shoot the arrows of victory and, 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 and come here and worship God and get in the car and you don't say a word and you get home and you, you live separate lives and, 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 and something's going on there. You, 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 can't, you can't do that. You've got to come and you've got to open it up and you've got to expose yourself and you've got to say, God, I'm hurting today. I'm needy today. I need your touch today. Lord, I'm here and I'm hungry and I'm thirsty and I want more of you. I need you. Expose the place, the place of your mistake. Went to glad tidings. Can I, can I just can I take a little bit of time? I'm already two minutes over. Will you give me, will you, how many give me two more minutes? Two more minutes. Okay, two, four, six, eight, 10, 12, 14. Went to glad tidings church. Maybe I told this story before. It's where I met your pastors. I went there and I was speaking at the, to the men right after I got there. And one of the guys came up to me and they said, hey, pastor, I want to ask you a question. I said, yeah. He said, what do you do when you see something you shouldn't see? I said, what are you talking about? He said, well, when you're on your computer and something pops up, what do you do? He said, the your former pastor told us that we could look at it for three seconds. But after that, it became sin. I said, excuse me? He said, yeah, the old pastor told us we could look at it for three seconds. You know, like 1,001. 1,002. And then it would become sin. I got the microphone and said, hey guys, wait, before you all leave, because this is like at the end of the I said, before you all leave, Bill's telling me about the three-second rule. Listen, man, we're crucifying the three-second rule right now. And we're going to try the bounce method, okay? And what that means is you see something you shouldn't see, you go into the gym, and you see something you shouldn't see, you just bounce away. See something on the TV, you just bounce away. See something in church, you just... 
You got on an airplane. Bounce away. Six months later, I'm sitting at my mom's house. My mom's on a reservation. All she has is satellite television. Late at night, I'm all by myself, flipping through the channels. And all of a sudden, there it is. There she is. You know what this preacher did? Thousand one. <laughs> Thousand two. Caught my eye. I couldn't believe it. This is my mama's television. Mama. <laughs> Sat there and looked at that, and the Holy Spirit came and smacked me. He said, what are you doing? Man, I turned the thing off. And no sooner had I turned the thing off, the devil came and the devil said, you call yourself a preacher. You call yourself a man of God? Man, I had to get up. I had to go outside and I had to say, God, forgive me. You say, why are you sharing that? I'm sharing that because there are men in this place that need to hear that. There are men in this place that need to understand that there are birds that fly over our head every day. And we can't help birds flying over our head, but we can keep them from making a nest in our head. And we can bounce away. And if we sin, the Bible says there's none of us that have not sinned. We have all sinned. And if you sin, what do you do? You get up, you repent, you turn, and you walk the other way. Because if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our unrighteousness. Oh, hallelujah. He just doesn't forgive us of a little bit. He forgives us of everything. Open up the window, man. Just get real. Final thing, I'm done. I've had enough of you people. He said, strike the ground, man. Strike the ground. So what did, what did the king do? He Struck the ground three times. Prof got angry. He said, you idiot. That's weasel translation. It's not in there, but it's in there. He said, you idiot. You should have struck it four, five, six times. Because you would have had as much victory as you measured out for yourself. See, see here was the king's problem. The king's problem was he was a good man, but he wasn't all that good. He was a bad man, but he wasn't all that bad. He was like a lot of church people. We're good, but we're not all that good. We're bad, but we're not all that bad. Depends on when you check me out. Sunday morning or Tuesday evening. Sunday morning or Friday night. Because I can operate in this realm and I can hang out with this crowd, but I can, I can, I can jam with this crowd over here too. I can get down with the church folks and I can get down with the, with, 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 with the bar folks. I mean, just depends on who I'm hanging out with. I mean, I can do it both ways. I can hang out on both sides. I, you know, I, 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 I'm a little bit of this. I'm a little bit of that. I'm, and, and so I'm, I'm, I'm not, not, not all that this. I'm not all. And that's the way he was. And it showed up that day. Because he, had, he said, strike the ground. And so he struck the ground the way that he was serving God. He struck it half-heartedly. He did what was required, but that's all he did. Oh, I go to church because my wife makes me go to church. I go to church because my mama goes to church. 
I give in the offering if I can afford it. Prayer meeting? Are you kidding? And we're just kind of walking around like this. Go to Cherokee? Mm. Nah. Maybe next year. Go to small group? Yeah. I check it out. So we're just kind of walking through life and, and we're doing this half-hearted, this, you know, striking the ground three times. And, 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 and God looks at the prophet, looks at it, and he says, You, you could have had more. You stopped. Too soon. You, you should have continued smiting the ground, man. You stopped. Mark, I told you last, I think it was Marcus. I, I don't know which one I told you last, last service. I said, here's, here's my biggest fear. My biggest fear, Mark. He said, I'm, I'm going to stand before God, and God's going to say, Doby, you could have had so much more. You could, have, you could have reached every native home, but you gave up too soon. You stop praying, you stop fasting, you stop, you stop asking, you stop, you stop knocking on doors, you stop. You see, you see, you could have, you could have had more, but you, you stopped. You stopped giving. You, you stopped, you see, you see, and there are some of you that you're gonna stand before God and, and, and God's gonna say, your family could have been saved, your children could have been saved, your son could have been delivered, your husband could have come up, but you stop praying. You stop coming to church you, you stop going to small group you you stop you you could have had more and and i decided a long time ago that, that 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 god when i stand before you i don't want to stand before you and hear undone i want to stand before you and hear well done and god i want to have done everything you call me to do so so god i'm gonna hit the ground and i'm gonna pound the ground and i'm gonna pray and i'm gonna keep praying and i'm gonna keep giving and i'm gonna keep fasting and I'm going to keep preaching and I'm not going to give up and I'm going to continue to pound the ground as long as I can pound the ground and when I can't pound the ground any longer then maybe then God can come and take me home but when he comes to take me home he's going to find an arrow in my hand and a bow and I'm going to still be in the battle. Don't stop pounding. Don't stop praying. Don't stop coming to church. Don't stop serving God. Don't stop believing for your children. Don't stop. Pound the ground. As long as you can pound the ground. Don't quit school. Don't give up on that marriage. Don't quit, church. Pound the ground. Father, we thank you for your word. Come on, somebody just lift a hand with me right now. Lift a hand with me and say, God, help me. Come on, say it out loud. Jesus, help me not to give up, not to quit, but to continue to persevere, to press in and not give up until I have what you promised. Complete victory in Jesus' name. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for every man, woman, and child in this place. 
And Lord, I pray that you'd pour out your spirit upon them. And God, that you would help them today to realize that they came to the house of God today. Maybe to check a box, maybe to fulfill a commitment, maybe to check it out. But God, you didn't have that in mind for them. You wanted them, you knew they were going to be here and you wanted to talk to them. And so today God is talking to you, son. Because you've been thinking about quitting. You've been thinking about getting up, giving up and going home. Thinking about throwing in the towel. God says to you, you're not the kind that throws in the towel. Get up. Grab a bow. People in this room today, you're thinking about quitting. Giving up on that marriage. Walking away. It's been a good run. We did better than our parents did. God says to you today, it's not time to quit. Forget about filing those divorce papers. Forget about calling that lawyer. That's not what God has for you. God's got complete victory. Somebody in this place this morning, you're thinking about giving up on Jesus. You know, man, I don't know what this church thing is. Everything is cracked up to be. It's time for you to renew your commitment to him. This morning, if you want to renew your commitment to Jesus or your commitment to your marriage or your commitment to the call, see, some of you are called by God to do some things. Some of you are called by God to do baseball. That wasn't your idea. You didn't give yourself that talent. God gave you that talent. And you remember that when you get up into the bigs. But you're thinking about quitting. God says, uh-uh, I didn't call you here to quit. And this morning, if that's you, if you feel like, man, I'm the only one you've been preaching to all day. Because you've been, you feeling like you've been giving up. You, you want to give up. You want to quit. But you need the spirit to continue. I want you to stand right where you're at. I want to recommit myself to Jesus. I want to recommit myself to, to the call. I want to recommit myself to to my family, I want to recommit myself. If that's you, without any further ado, come on, stand up all over this place. I know God's talking to people all over this place. I recommit myself, Lord. I recommit myself, Jesus. I recommit myself. 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 Come on, some of you, you know you need to stand. Spirit of God is all over you. You need to recommit yourself to Jesus. You need to recommit yourself to the call. You need to recommit yourself to the family. You need to recommit yourself to the marriage. I want you to stand right now. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Need more inspiration in your life? You don't have to say goodbye anymore. You can connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and even our websites by using the links below. Receive live streaming notifications, receive daily encouragement, and stay up to date on the latest information. Follow, like, and subscribe today.